Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps do you need to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 18, everyone. I think you're going to love this conversation with our special guest, Rachel Campos Duffy. For those that have followed Rachel's career, you know that Rachel got her start as part of MTV's iconic reality television show, The Real World, season three in 1994. She now serves as the co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend and co-host of From the Kitchen Table podcast with her husband, Sean Duffy. Along with all that, she's been a frequent guest on NBC's Today Show and ABC's The View, and we talk a lot about that in this podcast. As we begin this conversation, think about a goal that you have in your life, and when was the last time you said it out loud, that you actually took your goal, and yes, you wrote it down, but you said the goal out loud, and you verbalized it in a way that you could hear yourself say it, <laughs> and that those important in your life could also hear you verbalize what you really want out of your life. Rachel gives us some really cool insights in this episode. So now, welcome to episode 18. I'm glad you're here. I think you will be as well, because here is Rachel Campos Duffy. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. It's great having you on the show. Thanks for having me on, Darren. Really appreciate it. So Rachel, I, I mentioned just a little bit about your, your background, uh, but if, if it's okay with you, I mean, let, let's, let's just go back briefly to, uh, to real world. Um, I feel like sure. I've grown up with you a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm, you and I are about, we're similar in ages, and I, I just really want to go back to 1994 and tell us about how that all started, and then, then you're, where are you at right now? Um, let, let's, sure. let's start there. Sure. It was a good year, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had just graduated from college, um, and, and just before I had graduated, I saw an ad on TV saying, Hey, do you want to, you know, MTV was saying, do you want to try out for this show? Um, I happened to be, a, a you know, graduating, having six months off. I knew I was going to, um, go to graduate school right after I'd already had a scholarship and was ready to go. So I said, wow, I have this time off. I'm, I, this is meant to be. And I applied, little did I know, 45,000 other people applied, but they ended up picking seven people. And somehow I ended up in that mix and it really kind of changed my life forever, mostly because through that process um, and a a subsequent show and reunion show, I ended up meeting Sean who, you know, we've, we've been together ever since we met. So, you know, that's, it's a long time. We've been married 20, we've known each other 25 years, married 23, nine kids. Thank you. Wow. Yep. Nine kids. And, um, and, 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 you know, he's, you know, in the process of about 10 years into that, uh, Sean ended up running for Congress and, um, about a year and a half ago, he got out and now we're both working at Fox as uh, he's a contributor and I'm a host. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's kind of the lowdown there. So, you know, for those that uh, I always often think about, it. I have three, three grown kids, Rachel, and I always think about it, if I could just go back in time, I, they, they don't appreciate what a big deal MTV was back in that time. It, <laughs> it, I mean, how, how do you, how do you sum that up? I know you've thought about that. You get it. Um, how do you talk to your kids yeah. about it culturally? So the older ones have watched it. <laughs> they like my season. They like my season better than Sean's. Good, good. <laughs> um, that's funny. But uh, listen, it was iconic. I mean, no, that had never happened before. Um, you never there. It was the beginning. It was sort of the grandfather of all reality TV shows. Yeah. And it really did um, hit its stride with the third season that I was on. And 
when I was on it, um, it, it had massive cultural impact because a had never been done before to, um, it, 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 at that time, it really was a social experiment and they casted people for that purpose. So they picked people who weren't like sexy and trying to have, you know, threesomes in the hot tub. They picked people that they thought came from very different backgrounds um, and socioeconomic, racial. Um, at, at the time, think about 1994, one of the uh, cast members was gay and um, was living with AIDS, subsequently died about, you know, eight months after the show. Mm. Um, so at that time, people were still, it's, it's hard to remember back then, but people were still very afraid of AIDS. Um, it, it's, it's sort of gone into the background. There's cocktail drugs, but at that time, there was no cure for it. So to move a bunch of kids into a house with somebody with AIDS, um, that was the first time people ever met anyone, um, maybe even anyone gay, let alone, you know, living with AIDS. And you, yeah, so this right. was a, a very fascinating um, experiment. Again, lots of socioeconomic um, interactions, lots of political discussions. And I, I think it's really sad that subsequent to my show, um, they changed directors, they focus more on, you know, sexualizing it and getting their ratings that way. And I think in a lot of ways, underestimated young people and their capacity for, you know, intelligent conversation, it really sort of devolved down there. So there came a point when I was a young mom, um, you know, and I had little kids where, you know, if, if you said I, I was on the real world, I mean, it, it sounded pretty shady, but when I was on, it was not, it was yeah. a very interesting, you know, televised experiment and it, it did spawn the, an entire industry and, and Darren, I can still remember conversations after my show where people would say, thought reality TV was a, was a, was a one hit wonder that, you know, what would happen? It was, it was going to go away. It never went away. Yeah. It was, it was cheap to make. People were <laughs> interested in, in, in real people versus fake people and actors. And um, so, yeah, it, it, yeah. it was a, it's, it's a phenomenon still today. Right. It is. And I, I remember that season. Um, and, and the, I was thinking back to the, yeah, that mix of, of people, um, and that never been done before, but yeah, it was, I don't want to say it was, um, well, it was just real. I was going to say edgy, but no, it was yeah. real. And there were just real conversations being had and right of the H HIV AIDS. You're, you're absolutely right. It was so much was unknown. And even that, that issue alone, uh, added this unbelievable dynamic and some intense conversations you know, you, you've always been known as someone who stands up for your beliefs. Um, and in certainly in that, in that house as well on, in the, in that season, uh, how have you over the course of your career, how do you stay true to those values and beliefs, Rachel? It's so easy to conform and just get along and go along and how have you, and how has it hurt you or helped you? It's a good question. So first of all, I think I, I had a good foundation. I came from a good, solid family that, you know, taught me good values, taught me the, you know, that this was the greatest country on earth. I'm, I'm the daughter of immigrants. Uh, my mother is an immigrant. My father is a first generation to this country. Um, and, and I think our family is the American dream story. So I grew up just loving this country. And a lot of what I'm seeing today, a lot of the disdain and ambivalence um, about our country. It's just really foreign to me because I'm so grateful to be here and I was raised that way. Um, but I think being in, in the real world, house, by the way, I've, I've, I'm about to write an article on why you could never have the real world today. Really? Um, and, and that is because 
those those conversations we didn't just talk about aids and gay gay and straight issues i went back and looked at some stuff and um you know a couple of years ago i hadn't seen it in, you know forever yeah. and i saw an episode and we were talking about welfare reform um <laughs> i had taken my 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 i mean seriously i mean we're talking about welfare reform we talked about yeah. race um but the difference is you could talk about it right. you could talk about it and have a different point of view and of course i i never felt like my i always felt like i was much more open-minded than any of my liberal roommates and frankly when people ask me what did i learn you know on on the real world and i always say the same thing and darren i've been saying it you know for 25 years since i did the show my roommates who were liberal were far more intolerant to my views than i ever was i was really open-minded i wanted to learn all about them and i think i i changed by getting to know them i got i i think that's an exciting thing to yeah you know, to, 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 to learn new things and to adjust your point of view, I think it's healthy. Mm. And I think it's sad because I think back to when I was young and I just feel like I was a lot more open-minded, a lot more ready to take in new ideas and a lot um, more um, able to question things. And I think that's how we learn. Yeah. Great points. You know, I was, I was thinking about this interview and uh, in my research, I was listening to your great podcast from, from the kitchen table with you and Sean. You, you just had an episode drop and uh, the, you had to, your guest was Dr. Rachel Fulton Brown. Blew my mind. Uh, yeah, she's that, amazing, that, isn't she? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I thought I was, I was listening to uh, addiction, on, you know, sugar addiction, which it was. But oh, my gosh, did it did it take me right back to college? And I wanted to ask you about that. So when I was in college, 1987, at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, a Lutheran college, private private college, uh, Dr. Uh, Hank Kachuk from Chicago. He, re he recently passed away. Um, but I remember him telling me, this is 1987, Rachel, when he said, you know what, the reason why you're getting a liberal arts degree is so that you guys can be, I, I wrote it down here, wise consumer and producer of information. And I remember, remember when he said that I was, you know, it's like, okay, he's at that time, it was time magazine. It was, yeah, it was MTV. It was, it was just, it was print. And nothing was out there on social media. And I, I, I just want to ask you this question as far as that. What Do you remember the days when we could debate and discuss and to have a real reasoned conversation about things like, you know, uh, issues? Really difficult now uh, because of a lot of reasons. And uh, why, do you why do you think that is? And I've, again, well, your, your podcast is in my head. That's why, that's why I'm asking the question. Yeah, no, it's such a great question. And, and really, you just have to go. I mean, if, if, if you're as old as you and I are, um, you can remember when you could have those discussions. And there's so much taboo. One of the things that's interesting, my daughter goes to the University of Chicago. She was a student of Dr. Fulton Brown from that podcast. And one of the interesting things that happened is she was canceled. She, and people can Google it if they want. She, she, she said something and um, I didn't think it was controversial at all, but it was like taken bad. And she went through that whole being canceled by an entire campus and, and, and being um, really vilified and otherized by it. But what was fascinating about the experience for her, and I think she grew tremendously through the experience, is that there were professors coming out of the closet. Um, reaching out to her saying, I can't come out and say what I really think. Um, and you're so brave and I'm so inspired by you. And, and some of them remain in the closet. Um, but what was interesting too was many of them are afraid of their own students. So oh. they are professors who are afraid to say what they think, not because they're necessarily afraid of the administration coming down on them, though I'm sure they worry about that, 
They're more worried about being turned in by their students. There are young people for which this kind of thinking is absolutely normalized. They think it's, and, I, and, and listen, during this pandemic, the one thing I, I spoke at different universities um, during the pandemic, after the pandemic, you know, was, and, and the one thing I would say to them is, these are really weird times. Things that if you grew up in the 80s, boy, you never saw anything like this. Right. No, it's true. It's true. It's very, very, very different time right now. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you about your, your wonderful parenting advice. I'm sure you got this thing all figured out as far as how to, how to be a great parent. But before I do that, uh, Dr. Rachel Fulton Brown, um, she, you asked the question of her about, about how do you then, um, it, you know, live out your faith in, in the University of Chicago. And my yeah. question to you is over the years, how, how do you live out your faith in a way that stays true to your values and beliefs. Um, how how have you done it, and what advice do you have for you know young professionals um, beginning their career? Sure. So first of all, with regard to parenting, one of the great things about having nine kids is you get a lot of do overs. So um, <laughs> we've had a lot of chance to to learn from mistakes of the past. And actually, Darren, when our kids leave the house and graduate, we actually do an exit interview. <laughs> and so I've had two that have left, and we go okay. Let's just be honest and real, like, like the real world, right? Um, let's be real. And we, what do we do well? What do we do bad? Um, you, what you what, do what would you have had us do differently? Yeah. <laughs> and so and actually, it's been it's really informative, you know, and to hear it from their perspective. So, so that's, that's interesting. Um, as far but, as my faith and, and keeping, you know, keeping true to myself and what I believe, I mean, that's one of the, for me, and I think you got this when you heard the podcast with Dr. Fulton Brown, she's a convert to Catholicism. She was a medieval professor who studied Christianity, Western civilization, and Western culture, particularly in the medieval period. And, you know, through her scholarship came to um, a conversion and to the belief that she wanted to become a, a Catholic. And one of the wonderful things about being a Catholic is that there are certain things that don't change. <laughs> yeah. And so um, there are certain fundamental truths about faith, about human nature, um, <clears throat> about nature of evil and goodness that don't change with, with the, the waves and the tides and the trends and the fads of the, of the culture. And that's very reassuring. And it's, it's a great guiding post. So I can change my opinion on certain policies, but ultimately my philosophy on life, what I, what I value, uh, what I think is important is unchanging. And um, so th that has been a, a great source of, of mooring, I guess, for me. But also, um, you know, I love the ritualism, um, the ritual of Catholicism. I love, um, I, I don't find the rules of Catholicism um, to be constraining to me. I find them very liberating especially in an age where anything goes. So, you know, that as a parent, it, it has informed the way I parent. And it, it's really important to me that I pass on my faith to my children and give them something that's real and substantial and something that actually transcends this world and gives them um, hope for eternal life. Yeah, well said. I mean, that the, the rituals and I, I, what came to mind was the discipline with, I'm a big believer that with discipline in all areas yes. of life, habits or thinking, you know, with discipline comes freedom as opposed to the other yes. way around. And uh, do you, it sounds yes. like you, you agree with that, right? I, I absolutely do. Yeah. I absolutely think that discipline is part and, 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 and good religions 
give you that kind of practice. You know, it, right. it's obvious in monastic life. It's obvious in, um, you know, the, the, the teachings of the church. Um, yeah, I think discipline is, it, you know, you, you have to conquer, um, you know, your weaknesses to get strong. From, from real world, right? So now you're, you are, you are co-host on Fox and Friends Weekend. Um, just breaking ratings records, uh, you and your colleagues. Thank you and... for noting that. Thank you for noting that. We're really proud of it. Oh my gosh. I mean, just <laughs> incredible, but I'm sure that from it, from 1994 on, it has just been a meteoric rise. You've had nothing but success after success after success. Is that your story? No, I mean, not at all. So my, you know, when I left the real world, I, you know, I had a dream job, um, you know, that I was in, in competition for on the view. And I really thought I was going to get it. And, um, at the time I was engaged to Sean, he wanted to live in Wisconsin. I wanted to live, I wanted to pursue my career as, um, in television, which was just, you know, sort of really nascent and fledgling and Barbara Walters. Um, I came, came you know, kind of noted me and brought me in mm. and, and asked me to audition for the show. And I really thought I was going to get it. So I made a deal with Sean when we were um, engaged and about to get married. I said, if I get this job, you know, we'll move to New York. If I don't get it, I'll move to Wisconsin. <laughs> and um, I was so certain I was going to get this job and I didn't get it. And so I moved to his little town um, with 2000 people. And um, it was a real adjustment. Oh I'm an Arizona girl. I'm, I love hot weather. Um, and I, I moved to, to not, not just Wisconsin. I didn't move to Southern or central Wisconsin. I moved to Northern Wisconsin to a little town in the Northwoods, um, where Sean got his start. So it was a, it was a huge adjustment for me. Um, and what I, it was actually a real blessing in disguise. And one of those things that you realize when you, when you don't get things that, you know, God has another plan. I ended up being an at-home mom for 14 years. And I think that that I did. I was an at-home mom for 14 years. I do a little gig here or there, you know, because I was still kind of known from, from doing reality TV and from, and from the, and from doing the view and the view liked me and would bring me back occasionally to co-host, which was a great, you know, thing for me to do um, here or there. I, I probably co-hosted that show, you know, 25 times, but, um, but, you know, not, not a big deal. I, I, I basically was an at-home mom. And I think it was a really great grounding for our family. And it was during that time that I, I wrote my, I wrote a book about adult motherhood because I felt like it was not valued. And, um, and then Sean decided he wanted to, to run for Congress. And as an adult mom, I had time. I had the skill set from, um, you know, from college and the work I'd done and the communications I'd learned, the little bit that I had learned. And so he ran a tough campaign. I helped him with you know, marketing and speech writing, and we worked together. We're a great team together. And um, he did the impossible. He unseated this 42-year incumbent. And he came in in that wave of 2010, where, you know, 80-some Republicans took over the House of Representatives. Oh, and yeah. he remained there for, um, you know, for almost 10 years until he, he stepped down. Wow. Wow. So you, you two, you two are have done and are doing a lot with your lives. I mean, I, I'm just telling you, Rachel, you uh, many people are, are listening and saying, whoa, man, how do they do it all? Right. And of course, yeah. there's no way you can. Um, but uh, it's not I, my, perfect. It's yeah, not perfect. But you two seem to be um, just have such a purpose and a drive. And I'm wondering what what drives you and how, how do you do it and why do you do it? 
So the how goes back to what I've learned over the years. And this is something that I've imparted with my children because it's very countercultural. The, the culture is telling you that your career is the most important thing for you, especially as a woman. Um, they're, they're really pushing this. You know, you see the Sheryl Sandburn, Sanborn, um, you know, book that, you know, put your, you know, she says, lean in and, you know, in her speeches to, to women and girls, she says, you know, put your foot on the gas pedal and don't let go and go, 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 go. To me, what I tell my, 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 my children is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life is who you marry. Um, and, and that you should prioritize your love life because who you marry matters and it matters on how you end up, how the rest of your life unfolds and how you are able, I say, if you marry the right person, especially as a woman, because we have other, you know, we have other things that, you know, the culture would say set us back. Right. Um, we have, we have children and we have, you know, to nurse and we have childbirth, you know, all these things that men don't have to go through. Um, and we have biological instincts to actually care for our own children. Um, and so I think that if you marry the right person, the career, and, and you got your education, I think that's important, yeah. um, or you have some sort of grounding in what you want to do and you have a passion. Um, if you marry the right person, the, the rest of it will unfold. And so Sean, even when I was an at-home mom, you know, if I wanted to write and I was writing blogs and and articles and I, I, I dabbled in TV here or there and he always, you know, was very accommodating and, and made sure that I was able to do that, um, you know, at the scale that, that worked for me and worked for us as a team. And then I think, you know, with, for women in particular who are listening, um, I, I don't believe that Sheryl Sandberg, um, philosophy, and it certainly wouldn't work for me to be happy. What makes me happy is my family. And everything else is just icing on the cake. So I, I, um, I think that it's a dangerous message to send to, to women um, that, you know, they can, uh, they, that they only concentrate on career or that they do that until their mid thirties and then maybe start to think about having a love life. I think, I, I, I don't think it, what I've seen, Darren, is I don't see that it's worked out that well for a lot of people that way. Mm. Um, and everyone's different and I'm not saying everyone should, you know, follow my course. I'm just saying that we ought to consider that that's not happiness for most people because the internet did come in, you know, into full use while I was an at-home mom. I mean, I had as much information as any, you know, journalist sitting in a, you know, the New York times office in Manhattan. Um, you know, information is power. And I had access to that, even though I lived in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And so I was still able to participate in the world and, and keep my fingers in the pie to the degree that worked for my family. And then when I was ready to, to, to work um, and go back into, the, in, into, into working in communications and ultimately at Fox, um, I was able to do that. But I think I brought all this experience of being home into my job. And I think that's what works for people who watch my show on the weekend is that yeah. I had a life. I, I, I had a life, a full life of kids and family and not knowing how we we're going to make ends meet and, um, you know, carpooling and all the kinds of things that, you know, normal people have. I think that's what makes our show interesting. And, and I think my co-hosts have that as well. No doubt. No doubt. You know, my, uh, my mom, uh, Sonia Johnson lives in uh, Minnesota 
And she knows that I was going to be interviewing you. And she was watching you at Talladega and she was so cute. She said, oh my gosh, that Rachel, she looks like a teenager. Unbelievable. Nah, that's called, that's called good lighting and fox hair and makeup. <laughs> Tell your mom I said that. <laughs> I will. Rachel, over, over your career, I mean, we all have successes and setbacks. And who, who are some of the people that are just mentors in your life, professionally or personally, that have really helped you, um, yeah, encourage you when you needed, needed that help? Who, who are some of those individuals? So first, I want to say my mom, because when I, the, I was up for The View twice, and in some ways, the second time was even more difficult. I, I didn't get the job. And I, I re- again, I really thought I was going to get it. It was between me and Elizabeth Hasselbeck. And, um, and I didn't get the job and I was really, I mean, I was really heartbroken over it. And, um, I called my mom and looking for sympathy (laughs) (laughs) and, um, she said, you know, why are you worried? You're pregnant with my third grandkid. You know, what, you know, did you really put it in perspective? Like really, it's just, it's just a job you know, next to a child. Right. And, um, and I I didn't accept it right away, but her words did come back to me. And, um, and I think that that, that was important putting life in perspective. What, what do you, what do you really want at the end of your life? Um, you know, I, I always say corporations can't love you. (laughs) They don't love you. Um, they're not going to be there for you. They don't know the people who are you know, celebrating you right now will never be around your deathbed. Um, your kids and your grandkids will, and your husband, if you're lucky. And so I just think there's something about being, you know, just having, having that perspective that's allowed me to, to have good perspective on my career. I will say I've had some great bosses. I worked um, for the Libra Initiative. That was my first foray out of adult motherhood and into a job. I had a great boss. Um, his name was Daniel Garza. And we, it was an organization that um, promoted free market principles and limited government and really the American dream in the Hispanic community. And it was a real passion job for me. I always felt really lucky to work there. Um, while I was working for Daniel, I started with six kids and I ended up with uh, having my seventh and eighth while he was my boss. And every time I called him to tell him I was pregnant again, I thought, oh, God, he's not going <laughs> to not gonna like this. And he was always so supportive and so happy for me. And, you know, his first question was always like, you're not going to leave us, right? We'll work <laughs> with you. We like you. We, we right. And really kind of valued me enough to, like, stick with me through my maternity leaves and all that kind of stuff. And I had the same thing at Fox. Um, I was starting to work for them. I was a contributor and I got pregnant with my knife and I thought, wow, this is now like the limit. Like these people are not going to be able to handle me. And I went to my boss. Um, her name was Lauren Pedersen at the time. And um, she's still kind of my boss, my mentor at Fox. And the first thing she said was, well, I guess we'll have to get you a new wardrobe. Um, so wow. I've been very lucky that I have worked um, for people who value family and I do believe Fox does, and they have been nothing. I mean, when I when my daughter had heart surgery and we had to t- I had to take time off. I mean, there was not not even a question about what was more important at that moment. And so I've worked for great people who value women, who value mothers, and the and the the unique um, issues that come with being yeah. a, a, a mother in the workforce. And a lot of people say we want a mom for this 
TV role, but they don't want your mom problems, you know? Um, so I felt really lucky at Fox. It's a, it's a very family oriented place and they value what I bring to the table. And they understand that, you know, what I bring to the table in terms of my commentary um, comes from a, a life that's lived. And that means I have to live my life too. That's and great. so I've been, I've been lucky and blessed in that way. And I encourage yeah. people to work for people like that because I, I can't imagine not doing that. I think it would be miserable. Well, there's a lot there to unpack. And one of the things that I believe strongly, I've, I've, been in, I've been in leadership in corporate America for about 30 years. And I got into leadership because I once worked for someone who was a really horrible leader. <laughs> and I, and yeah. I thought to myself, I thought to myself, you know what? This person has so much control over so many lives. I just, I think I can do it better. I want to try. I, and that was, the first for you. Moment, yeah, it was my first moment where I thought I, I just have to get in the mix. And with your story though, I, for, for everyone listening who is thinking about getting into leadership, right? Leading others or managing others. There is no other vocation where you can influence so many lives for good um, than leading, leading others. And so if you are getting sure. leadership, my challenge to you is just, just as you heard Rachel talk about be that type of leader that is supportive yes. and tries to get the best out of people because man, you can change. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to, you know, change lives through your vocation. Oh my gosh, you can touch so many lives. Am I close, Rachel? I can't even tell you how close you are. You're absolutely right. And can I tell you my loyalty to Fox is through the roof oh. because of the, because of how understanding they are of my family life. I know, I mean, lots of people have families. They don't all have families as, as big of my, as mine. And I know that no matter what I have, I mean, I'm so loyal. I, I work harder because I'm so grateful um, for what they do um, for me and what, and what they've allowed me to do in right. spite of having. And, and frankly, I'm going to be really honest with you too. I don't think any other network would see a mother with nine kids as a positive. I believe on another network, they might think I'm, I'm a, I'm like, you know, a branch Davidian, you know, they might think I'm a weirdo. Um, they might think I, you know, I, I have been fully embraced. Um, my life has been fully embraced my values, um, my family. And I, I, I'm so grateful to the company. They could not be better. Um, and, so and I, th and I think it's a story that's not told about Fox. I mean, there's some, you know, stories in the past that people like to, you know, focus on, but I don't think right. people know just how family friendly the organization is. So uh, if I, if you and I were to beam right into Fox studios right now, Fox network, what type, what would I observe as a first time person, just kind of watching the dynamics of the team and the people and the talent? What, what, what do you think I'd be surprised by? What would I observe? Are you talking about the, the, the network as a whole or my show in particular? I'm going to say, I would let, let's focus in on your show, which again is doing so well. My goodness, Fox and Friends Weekend. Let, let's, let's just start there. Yeah, I, again, I really appreciate you talking about our ratings because we're really proud of it. It's not, it's not easy to get eyeballs um, at 6 a.m. in the morning and, <laughs> oh. and we, are, we are doing it. And uh, so first of all, I think what you would see on the weekends is that there's no one in the building and we actually feel like we're breaking in, um, in the middle in the morning. And I think that that energy of feeling like no one's here, um, gives the weekend show a, a little bit more fun. It's also four hours versus three hours. So there's more time for fun segments, um, to mix in with the news. So it's a fast moving show. Um, it's, 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 it, there, we pack a lot in, 
but when you have four hours, you can get some fun in there. I think um, the team is amazing. My hair and makeup team, uh, I, again, back to your mom's question and your mom, your mom's comment. I Fox has the best hair and makeup, um, you know, in the business. And yeah. my team in particular, I absolutely adore them. They're like my best friends. So when I go to work, I feel like I'm, you know, coming in to see my best friends and, and, and they're the first people I see in the morning. And then, um, you know, it's called Fox and friends and people wonder, are we really friends? Pete, Will and I genuinely love each other. And I think people do feel that chemistry. Um, I, I, I respect them so much as men. Um, they are, are, you know, off, off camera and in between breaks, um, you would hear Will and Pete talking about their kids, talking about, you know, sharing ideas on how to be better dads. I mean, I, I, it's truly what happened. Now there's a lot of joking. There's a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of irreverence in between, um, the, uh, the commercial breaks. We often say we wish people could hear us in the commercial breaks. Um, but, uh, we have, we, it is just an absolutely fun show. It is a massive show. Um, so Fox and friends, um, is probably the most profitable, um, uh, show on the, um, network. Um, it requires a massive team to do, to do what we do for four hours. So I think all in all weekend and weekday, um, and Fox and friends first, the entire thing is there's probably 80 people that work behind the scenes to make that happen. So it looks easy and free flowing, but there's a lot that goes into it. And, um, and it's a, it's a great environment. I, I, I'm not a morning person. I've become a morning person because, um, when I, after the first minute, um, of getting up, which is really painful for me, um, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to going work to work and I love it. That's great. Well, it's clear you guys have great chemistry. Also very authentic. I mean, I would just, that's how I frame it up. Uh, authenticity is sky high. And if, uh, if Pete or Will ever pull a hamstring, uh, give me a call. I, I can get out there in about three hours. Okay. <laughs> We'd love it. We'd love all that. Right. <laughs> hey, R- Rachel, how should we follow you and all the projects that you're working on? You're doing a lot. What, what's the best way to follow you and get involved with what, what, what you're passionate about? Yeah, well, I'm on Twitter. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook. I'm on Getter too. And I hope people go on to Getter. I think competition is great. I'm on all those platforms and Instagram as well. So people can follow me there, but I encourage you to um, uh, listen to my podcast with my husband from the kitchen table. We post once a week on Thursday nights. Um, the podcast goes live. And of course you can watch me on Fox and Friends weekend. Um, it's a fun show and you don't have to watch the whole four hours. <laughs> Just pop in when you can or DVR it. Um, it's, it's a fun show. And I, we, we, we do great, great news. Um, and, and we have really, as you said, authentic, real conversations. Um, that are um, not censored, so um, and, and not not directed by um, you know corporate heads who are trying to you know push a narrative. So we're really grateful for the freedom that our network gives us to say what we think. Well, Rachel, uh, last question for you then. So this is the I Dare You podcast. And so there are people listening who are actively pursuing their big goals. Others are thinking about it (laughs) uh, and maybe dabbling a little bit and others just can't get, you know, the the mindset, they're they're not ready to take that next step. Give us your your perspective and advice for someone who may be thinking about taking that that, that next step. Uh, Why in your experience does getting out of your comfort zone pay off? Uh, What advice do you have for us? So, oh gosh, I have a couple of things to tell you. So first of all, I'm a big believer in saying out loud what your dream or your goal is. I think once you say it out loud, it's more real. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I can remember being in my 20s 
um, and sitting down with my agent um, and her saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, um, uh, I want, maybe I was in my late twenties, early thirties. I said, I want to be Mary Madeline, which your older people would, would know who that, I know, who that I is. Know. <laughs> I said, I want to be Mary Madeline meets Joan London yeah. meets Kelly Ripa. And, um, and I, uh, you know, you, you say those things out loud because it gave me an idea of, I, and, and if, when I think about that, I, I really was supposed to be on a morning show and I ended up there. Um, so I think that's important to say what it is that, that you really want to be. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a teacher. I want to say it out loud. And then I don't think there's any substitute for work. Um, you know, hard work, grit. Um, I'm constantly drilling into my kids. Grit, grit, grit matters. Um, it's not always the smartest, most intelligent, um, you know, most talented person who wins. It's often the person who has the grit to complete the task and, and to get across the finish line. And finally, in my house, I have a sign that says, if your dreams don't scare you, they're too small. Um, and so I, I really believe that. And um, I think that, um, you know, you, you reach, for the, reach for the moon and you'll, you'll land in the stars. Rachel, this has been a lot of fun on so many levels having you on the podcast. Great insights uh, on all things, uh, including uh, parenting and, and, and life and leadership. So, Rachel, again, thanks for being on part of the podcast. Hey, Darren, thanks for having this podcast. What a great way for people to get insight from all kinds of different people and leadership matters. So um, thanks a lot for having me on. Great podcast. Okay, that's Rachel Campos Duffy. What an interesting conversation with her. Um, boy, there's a lot there. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? I'm still thinking of mine. Um, look, she's a mom of nine. Interesting career path since 1994 in the real world, and then uh, with her husband, Sean, making some really interesting and difficult career choices and family choices, staying true to her values. And the very goal that she verbalized, specifically verbalized out loud, loud in her 20s, now uh, she's in that very same role. So Mike, I guess t- now talking through my challenge to all of us would be, how about it? Let's verbalize our goals. Uh, let's do it. Let's get specific. Let's verbalize what we want our life to be. Now make sure you follow Rachel on Instagram at rcamposduffy. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at darrenjohnson1 and be part of this podcast community on Instagram at idareyoupod. And leave me a message. Let me know how you're liking the episodes. So now that you listened, I invite you and encourage you to share this episode with others who are those in your life who would benefit from this message. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found this podcast episode to be encouraging and thought-provoking, and I appreciate you listening in. And next week, we do it again. We'll see you then.